Hey listeners, this is Molly, and I'm excited to introduce to you today a brand new podcast called Irrigating the Desert. My name is Drew. This is my trusty sidekick, Bingo, if you hear anything in the background. Hi, Bingo. Or not. She's shy. She's shy. So we're, we're putting together this podcast because we care about conservancy of water. Mm -hmm. It's a precious resource. I would like more people to take better care of it. I've been in the irrigation industry for 23 years now. Wow. Seen a lot of a lot of changes in technology over those years. Sure. It's getting better. Mandates are making it stricter so that you have to use water better. Uh, but we do live here in beautiful Bend, Oregon, mm -hmm. uh, which is technically high desert country. And a lot of people still want to have a nice patch of turf grass outside their house. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's nice. It's cool. Take your feet off, walk through it. Mm -hmm. People don't do that, but they spend a lot of resources making this beautiful, beautiful vanity feature. Mm-hmm. In front of their house. So Wait. one of my concerns could is you, that. Could you, like, s explain a little bit more? Like, what does high desert mean? Because, like, I think of the desert, and I think of, like, Arizona and, like, cactus and, like, hot all the time. Like, what's high desert? High desert is more elevation desert, the driest desert in the world, because I like those things. The Atacame in Chile is a high desert, never rains up there. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's more of an elevation thing uh, with the mountains, but still it's arid. We don't and get I... a tremendous amount of rainfall. Most of the precipitation here is snow that we keep in the mountains and that's what we use to irrigate throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, and that's what I think is kind of interesting. The It's like you're by the mountains, but you're in the desert. Like, aren't you supposed to get a lot of precipitation by the mountains? Like that they do but it's that fancy rain shadow effect where mm. all that moisture drops in the mountains and then by the time it's over here we're not getting it that's why it's stored in the mountains and we again use all the runoff so we have those drought years when there's not enough this year was a drought year and all the canals were shutting off early and people yeah. couldn't irrigate and a lot of strange things were going on yeah, it's a, it's definitely an, an interesting ecosystem. Yeah, it sounds like it's a very kind of a, not, it's not the average, uh, you know, like the other places you might be familiar with if you've had a nice luscious green lawn and, you know, say Florida or the Carolinas or the Midwest. Or Seattle. Seattle even, you know. yeah. Or even here, you know, in Oregon, the other side of the state, Portland, right. you know, people think in Oregon it rains all the time, but... Here in Central Oregon, we only get, hmm, what? I'd go with like 15 inches. Yeah. Depends on what side of town you're on too, right? That's like, true. I mean, it is such is... a unique environment here uh, with the constant flows of the Deschutes, the stuff coming out of the Metolius that's never had radioactivity in it. It's pure water. Nobody understands where it's come from. But it's the constant flow just coming out of the mountain. Mm -hmm. it's, it's quite miraculous. Yeah, it is interesting. Like Mount Bachelor, right? Like there's not... Uh, no rivers. No rivers that run off of that. Yeah. Just a cinder cone. So all that snow just Perks straight right down through. through beautiful filters. Uh, the volcanic natural filters. Lava. And then when it pops right out, we have this great water that we get to use for... 25 different breweries and six Ooh. distilleries. And is that why we're so spoiled with beer here? That's kind of one of the... Oh, I thought it was just because they were trying to be nice to me. Uh, that and the water oh, is, is okay. really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have really good water here. And it's good, clean, potable water. I can go drink out of most of the rivers and not even have to worry about Giardia or 
anything like that. It's just nice, cold, clean, mm-hmm. awesome water. Mm-hmm. That sometimes I get to bathe in. Sometimes I get to spray on my lawn. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not the concrete because you can't grow concrete. No, but a lot of people try. They do. Yeah, you can't it's... blame them for trying. Well, I think a lot of people don't look and and really appreciate that water. Yeah. That nice, clean, potable water that we have here. Yeah, really appreciate what it takes to get it from point A to point B is a you know kind of the one thing that you know we that's kind of where our our passion is and what we really care about but then too as a you know more as I I get older and wiser with my my age and being a a property owner and a homeowner you realize what that wear of water does on those hardscapes or you know on your siding your your fences you drive down the road and you see all those beautiful fan patterns on everyone's fence and you're like, wow, They're someone's fancy. quite an artist with their staining abilities yeah. here and creating that pattern. And But no, it's just a poor, poor irrigation coverage and, you know, not really caring about or really understanding what that does in, in the long term. So it's, you know, that's the other thing I think is, you know, really kind of being able to see that, that long-term effect on, you know, how we use that water, how it's applied and in, in what it's going to either grow or destroy in those areas where it's applied. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. The uh, fence designs and, and a lot of people in the irrigation industry, when I have to deal with what we would call homeowner walk-in, non-professional people mm-hmm. uh, who don't really seem to care, they just, well, it gets everything wet. Right. So they're they're not even pointing. They don't care that they're not pointing the water where it should be going. They're like, yeah, it's fancy. It's oh, fine. Right. And then it's like, well, what do you actually care about? Why are you even buying a sprinkler in the first place? It's like, I, you care enough to be in here and wanting to buy something new to fix something, but you don't care enough to make it right or make it fit or improve it on what it used to be. No, that doesn't seem to be important. That's because it's only water. It doesn't matter because it's only water. It's it is and water doesn't get the respect it deserves. Yeah, Bingo agrees it, with that. It took me years to figure out that I spent so much time on my lawn at my first house. My backyard was beautiful, irrigated yeah. properly, fertilized properly. Used a real mower, you know, Ooh. twice a week. But I never was actually using it. Ah, you know, just... I wasn't out there record. All it was was a resource drain on me. Mm-hmm. So then I decided, well, I'm just gonna cut that out and plant food. There you Run go. Run a drip irrigation system. Have a giant garden. Huh. Actually, fancy. be pretty fancy. Yeah. I kept the neighbors stopping by, saying, "Where? What happened to your front yard?" Mm-hmm. It's vegetables. Well, lucky you that you didn't live in a place where they would come by and tell you that you can't do that and slap a fine on you. Those, uh, one of our favorite love them and hate them at the same time, homeowners associations. <laughs> uh, I've been very careful living where I've lived over the years so I would not have to live in a homeowner association mm-hmm. where people mandate what my yard must look like. Mm-hmm. You know? And even with commercial buildings, one of the issues with one of my uh, former employers we always had is lack of yard space. And we had this big old chunk of grass out there that we had to irrigate and keep green because they mandate you have so much green space right around your commercial building but nobody we're just dumping water on there for no reason and that gets into the central Oregon issue with water rights and use it or lose it mm-hmm. which is a whole nother interesting mm-hmm. topic you know when they're flying drones over your property and they're like it's not green mm-hmm. just just use the water mm-hmm just Make your land green for no particular reason. Mm-hmm. I find that very strange, yeah. interesting, it's, well, a little bit sad. It's tough. I mean, this, you know, over a hundred year old system built kind of the way that it is that 
yeah, you you have to you have to take it. You have to use it. It's a balance issue on flows and such. And then, yeah. you know, if you try to improve your efficiency and use your water, use less, but use it, you know, more, you know, evenly yeah. spaced throughout your property, they don't really want to see that change too much. And it's um, tough how, you know, this system that has been a, a, a benefit for us, but then at the same time, the way that it's built, it's making us work a certain way with it. And now it's like, we're kind of in a tough spot to improve it because now improving it and going backwards is so much. And then people are like the open waterways and the riparian areas. And it's like, it's a false riparian area anyways. Exactly. And there shouldn't be trees and wildlife there. The wildlife will move on. They'll figure it out. And there's just this, it's a, it's a very interesting thing on, you know, it, it's all about perception. And if you think that these canals that we have throughout are natural and that they should be open waterways when it's, it's not at all. Um, yeah, you get some really interesting, differing opinions with all of that. So I have an opinion that I don't think differs from yours. I think piping the canals is awesome. Oh yeah, for sure. It should be. Yeah. There's so much lost. Mm hmm before it ever gets anywhere, which some may say, oh, we're just replenishing the aquifer rather than sending it all the way to sure. the ocean. Sure, If it doesn't get used by the end of the line. I'm not really sure I'd buy that one. Yeah, right. I mean, if you're going to remove water from the waterway with intent for irrigation, you should, you know, use it as efficiently as soon as you take it out you wouldn't want to lose one drop of that to get it to you know the the target area where you it needs to be applied um you know and that's that's tough with what we have set up right now i'm designing the most efficient awesome you know start a state-of-the-art uh advanced system at my place but um the way that it's delivered to my place is already 50 percent efficient so right. I can't, you know, that on paper, I've got a 95% distribution uniformity, but that doesn't mean jack when my delivery system on where it already gets to my place is compromised. So, you know, the end users are definitely responsible for their part in the consumption and trying to, you know, improve their efficiencies. But to understand too that bigger infrastructure and how, what it takes to actually get our water to us and you know what that all looks like as well and you know that bigger part of the infrastructure that's the part that uh really kind of gets me with some of the folks here in uh here in our great city of bend uh you know the city of bend likes to see us irrigate every other day yeah. and you know what your address is and there's folks out there that, you know, water every day and they don't care what time they water. And he, okay, it's one thing for you to do that at, at your site, but if what if everybody does that, that, that load on that entire infrastructure, um, can't, that can't handle what you're, you know, how you're using it. And so it's, um, it's really interesting how people are always like, yes, let's all conserve water, but oh, well at my house, I don't conserve water and I use it cause I'm special. I'm different. And we're all special snowflakes, though. Yeah. You don't have to follow the... Just... As long as my grass is green, it doesn't matter. Whereas, uh, I think most nursery people will tell you that the biggest cause of plant death is overwatering. Yeah, right. It's just like, well, just keep it, keep it wet. The people don't understand how even the root system of a plant works mm -hmm. to get that water. If you're watering your lawn for 30 minutes every day, you're getting root rot and you're going to get disease. Oh, and yeah. Your grass is not going to be great. And that especially here, again, in our little special high desert microclimate uh, in the, you know, between the, the desert and the mountains, um, we don't have a good soil profile here. We don't no. really have soil here. And so that um, deep and infrequent watering that you might be used to in, you know, some other area again, that's, a, you know, the thing we need to recognize is that um, 
our, our area has grown. There's a lot of people moving here and, um, you know, it's part of what's kept our industry so alive here. We do have a yeah. booming industry. There's a lot of landscapes being installed and people's expectations of what their landscapes should look like here and how they should maintain them and take care of them is not like what they had at maybe the, you know, where they moved from. And so to really, you know, take a minute to, to understand and to learn about what we have here in central Oregon to, to then better, you know, apply water to those landscapes too. I do a lot of consultative work with people who are moving here and have no idea that we are dust on crust and we need to cycle and soak our, our lawn irrigation programs. You know, they want to, they want to run that rotor zone for an hour straight on that hillside up there on the butte and, <clears throat> That uh, their neighbor downhill sure appreciates it, but, um, or doesn't, I suppose, too, on how well their drainage system is. But, you know, it's that really trying to uh, connect with those folks to educate on what we have going on here in our, our special place uh, of the high desert. Education is the key. That's what I find most important. Just, I think people could make better decisions if they had more information. Yeah. One of the things, speaking of uh, water purveying, so I was thinking about future guests. Mm-hmm. Got a friend with Avion. Oh, yeah. It would be pretty interesting to Absolutely. talk to about how water purveyors and private water purveyors work in mm-hmm. the desert mm-hmm. and, and the water right mm-hmm. issues. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to talk about one of those things in the world that it's all connected, water is, you know, that's that's all that's it's all connected there. It's the whole there. big cycle. Mm-hmm. I think they taught me at in elementary school. Oh, yeah? Rains, goes down, goes back to the ocean, evaporates, cloud, rain. That's a fancy education you get over there in the... I'm from Junction City, um, Oregon. Yeah? Pretty much that. Uh, top academic location for small towns in Oregon. Sure, okay. Um, so that was me talking about me. What about you, Molly? Mm. What, what What? are your qualifications be talking about water and whatnot? Um, I know how to use the record button on my iPad, so... Done deal. Here I am. You win. Or, yeah, let's see. Who am I related to that got me into this industry? Sure, some somebody else... Nope, this is uh, just the, the rabbit hole I naturally fell down in having a background in landscape design, liking plants and what, how, how they grow. But well, um, How did you develop that interest? Oh, uh, growing up on a farm, South Dakota. You know, I've always been a kid outside playing around digging in the dirt. Um, Figured out, though, that it's actually soil and it deserves respect. But, you know, we all start somewhere. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, went to uh, went to school for the landscape design and working in that out, out here in Central Oregon. And it kind of clicked at one point that I don't care how good your plan is and what fun plants you have, but if your irrigation system doesn't uh, operate as... The landscape needs it to here it's not going to be a success it's not going to uh it's not going to support support that landscape and you know in f- three five years most likely your trees are gonna die and so um i saw that happen a little uh too often and had a opportunity to work in uh the irrigation industry you know focus more on irrigation and found my perfect intersection of uh, art and math. I, I love the math. I, you know, I want to know why. I want to know how stuff's built and put together. And, you know, so, like, how how do you get to that, that figure? And it's like, well, you know. So you actually like here. the precipitation rate formulas. Yeah, yeah. Nine, 96.3 isn't just a good radio station. That's a really good uh, coefficient right there. So... You know, then, you don't want to take 96.3 times your gallons per minute all uh, over your square footage of your area right there. And that's, uh, let's talk about inches per hour. I mean, that's what it's about. Right. Well, I just turn it on and run it for uh, for a half an hour. Well, what does that even, what, do you, what does that mean? You know, right. you really, 
again, you know, talking about our dust on crust here, that soil profile, that soil has an intake rate. It can only, like us, when we're thirsty, right? Like, you're hungover and you need to rehydrate yourself. Uh, there's only so much water. I don't know water. why you said that. <laughs> there's only so much water you can drink at a time, right? The soil is the same thing. And if you're just dumping it on there, it's either running off or it's going down through and it's running off subterranean. So it's a... Uh, it's not then it's not good for for the plant health it's saturated now we've got moss growing and we got fungus in our lawn and now we got to go buy some pesticides and some ferrous sulfate to uh you know kill our kill our moss and it's just uh you know one thing leads to another where you could just dial back and say hey you only need to apply an inch and a half of water to that lawn per week to keep it green any more than that it's wasteful. So now we need to know what are our sprinklers applying, figure that out, dial that in. I mean, that's simple enough, right? <laughs> One would think so. And, and that's just the water aspect. The other, oh my cough. <clears throat> other aspect that people don't understand is they're also putting fertilizer on there. And if you're not applying your water properly, that fertilizer runs off. Mm -hmm. And then that ends up in our mm. rivers and our lakes. And then we have these toxic algae blooms. What? So it's, there's more than just the waste of water. It's also the waste of nutrients and basically overall resources that you're putting on that right. patch of ground. Yeah. I mean, they they messed that up for so long in Washington. They don't get phosphorus in their fertilizer up there anymore, yeah. right? Is that yeah. right? That is correct. Yeah, and so that's actually affected a little bit of our fertilizer here in Oregon that we, there's a little bit related there's that. There's a lot of more no-foss things. I don't think we have the regulations that Washington does. And I think even Washington State is, uh, for retail, you can't have phosphorus. Oh, but okay. I think as a landscape contractor, you can still get... Which is interesting because landscape contractors don't have licenses in Washington either. And so just a, yeah. oh, our favorite, um, not a, to offend anybody out there, but you can use this term too, but schmuck in a truck, they can go get the, yeah. get that as well and say that they're a professional. Mm -hmm. I guess that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, we are happy with the, the state that we live in, Oregon, and how it licenses uh, our industry and... Uh, <laughs> Makes us professionals. <laughs> yeah, I've got all sorts of opinions on that because I unfortunately know people that perhaps they are the person running the landscape business, but they're working on somebody else's license, mm -hmm. that, and that still seems to be allowed. And oftentimes those people have no idea what they're doing. Oh, yeah. And a managing professional is supposed to, you know, know at all times what is going on. If there's a point of connection being installed, they they are supposed to know. Just, I'm surprised how many people come into where I work, because what I do is I sell irrigation supplies, is how many people come in, they have no idea what they're buying but they're working for a landscape company and they, they really don't have any idea how it all goes together or why they're doing what they're doing. It's just a summer job and I like to work outside. Well, right? then you should be digging the trenches and somebody <laughs> with a little more knowledge should be laying it out and saying, okay, we're going to do this here and this here. It's also, I suppose that's kind of part of the trouble of our industry here in, in our area that there is so much work to do that you find some contractors out there that are working like that that don't really know per se exactly not what they're doing but more like why are you doing what you're doing right yeah a lot of that and it's it's sad to see you know people that will just do that bare minimum you know yeah i don't need to get the pipe a foot down I can kick some dust over it. It's eh. going to get blown mm. out. Or it's more like that guy that comes in and he's like, oh, man, I'm so tired that i am been working on this hillside all day. It's so steep. I'm so tired. I'll just have a case of 1800s, please. Like, yeah. don't you want a check valve in those? No. no. Nah, you know, it's fine. like, well, what, why would I even want a check valve? 
Like, what, what's that about? Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, right? What is a pressure-regulating stem? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most of, most of your, you know, installers out there should, they should know that kind of they stuff, should, right? At least know the basics. I mean, get one of those industry catalogs and read mm-hmm. through the products and... A lot of them have those informational sections in there that'll teach you precipitation rate and mm-hmm. and slope type uh, application processes. Mm-hmm. And people just don't, they're yeah. chasing the dollar and they don't really care so much. Mm-hmm. It makes me sad inside. Right. Well, I mean, too, then they're probably going on the knowledge that, you know, like, well, when I learned this 10 years ago, I learned it this way and I've always been doing it this way and it's worked for me just fine. So... You know, I use the same one-inch pipe on every property and expect to be able to put 13 sprinklers on every one-inch line. And uh, Well, I've got good pressure. Good? Okay. I've, yeah, I've got good pressure. Okay. You know? Yeah, that's not a number. Um, no, but you get that a lot. Yeah. Like, okay, how many gallons per minute do you have? Well, I've got really good pressure. Mm-hmm. Oh. I put my thumb over the end of the hose and it goes real far, yo. And that's that's cute that you have good pressure, but if I have a hundred psi at one gallon a minute, I still only have one gallon a minute to irrigate. Yeah. So. But um, wait, what? It's it's just water, like, it just um, it's supposed to. And again, that's the thing that kind of saddens me is people mm-hmm. don't respect the hydraulics, the mm-hmm. science behind mm-hmm. water and how it gets to those places and. Every town has a water tower, but nobody knows why. Well, because it's cool, and that's how you can, like, identify it from space but, when you're, like, coming coming in, you know, from down on your spaceship. You can identify. That's how you know what town in Kansas you're in, because you can mm-hmm. see the mm-hmm. the name on the water tower. Well, too, I mean, actually, it was what, it gave us something to climb up at night when you'd, like, sneak yeah. out of your house and... Um, yeah, Del Rapids, the water tower said Smurfs on it for a long time when I was growing up back in the day. And if anybody out there can tell me, uh, who did that and why, I'm still kind of curious about that. So, yeah, circa like 1992, Del Rapids, South Dakota. Uh, You should stick with plausible deniability. (laughs) I don't know. Sounds like you're kind of guilty of something. No. But yes, even, uh, Junction City had a water tower that was climbed... It's youth. Yeah, right. Uh, But yeah, people just don't understand the whole how pressure is made. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you have water flowing to your house? Yeah. You know, there's there's people in some parts of Bend that have really good water pressure and people that don't. Madras is is crazy because all their water tanks are up top on the rim rock, so... They're all at 120 PSI down at the bottom in the valley. Oh, wow. And so that's a whole other issue you have to... Because at 125, you have to regulate the whole system. Oh, yeah, you're going to Because start... you can't... You know, pressure-regulating stems on a spray head are only good to 70 PSI. So you have to get it down to 70 before you're even starting. Mm-hmm. And people are just like, no, I've got a lot of pressure. I love my And then their spray heads pop up, and they go about a foot in front of them, and the water <laughs> droplets just go to atmosphere. And they're like, I don't know why my lawn is dying. <laughs> the, the fogger system doesn't really no. work well for irrigating no. lawn. Not, not so much. Yeah. Or anything. But I've, I've gone off sort of tangent on lawns, because that's sort of one of my biggest pet peeves. Mm-hmm. But uh, you've, you're a irrigator, auditor, right? Uh, right. Not an auditor. You, or you took I'm the a, class? I took the class, never took that test, but I am a certified irrigation contractor with the Irrigation Association. Isn't yes. drip irrigation, in theory, the least efficient when it comes to efficiencies in an irrigation audit? I seem to remember that at one time. And even though you're putting down less water, they're generally designed so poorly that it's not actually being as efficient as people think it is. Because they'll put in the little sprayers with their little drippers and they got them all mixed up together. Well, that... And you're wasting your water here and you're doing good over here. Mm -hmm. Or they don't know what the plant requirements are, so they're just like two gallon emitters on everything (laughs) and run it for an hour. Yeah, I've seen some of those nightmares. Well, I think what you said is that 
they're by design they're inefficient and that's where it's like i think what you're describing there is no design so that's why those are inefficient and yes those i mean all those drip emission devices right you've got like the point source those button emitters um you've got inline emitters on uh emitter line on drip line you've got uh drip tape that's kind of the cousin of the emitter line or is you know whatever which way i think drip tape probably came first in the industry tapes more um, of an ag well, well yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of the evolution of that we'll look at that at some point and far but, um, too disposable then you've got the the bubblers you've got those little uh, the micro sprays and um you know really like again not every site is this is the same and has the same you know opportunities and constraints right you know you might have a flat site with, uh, you know, really high flows and low pressures is already just kind of ready to go that you don't have to do a lot to make it work for your drip irrigation. Or you've got a very <clears throat> steep, slight, st- steep site and you've got, uh, you know, real high pressure on your, on your water uh, availability. So you're going to have to do some certain things or use certain fittings to, to make it work. And so I think if you're not taking a look at your available pressure, I mean, static and dynamic, and your gallons per minute available, you're not going to have an efficient design of no matter what irrigation system you're designing, if it's drip or sprays or, you know, any any of that. So, um, but yeah, drip irrigation does have that, ooh, it's, it's low water use and it's all, you know, eco-groovy and it's green and it's, I'm doing the right thing. But if you build that drip zone out of 24 micro sprays that are on, you know, one foot straws, that system isn't, and you, and you run it for the whole length of your 200 foot uh, backyard, it's, it's not going to, to function very well. And so, um, just because it's what they had on the shelf and it was what that you could buy and what was available doesn't mean that that's what you should be building your system out of too. And again, it always goes back and I really don't care what you're growing. If you're growing weed, just say it, but you know, again, like, what are you irrigating and why are you irrigating it? That should really tell you that answer of how you should design it, what you should design it out of. Because, sure. I mean, drip irrigation is is real convenient for, for some garden, you know, raised beds and such. But if you're starting everything from seeds and all you want to do is grow carrots and radishes, you probably actually should use micro sprays. And so it kind of goes back and forth that... Each site has its own needs, its own end user, something that you should be designing for. So, you know, as an installing contractor, you can't compare it to the other job you just did. It deserves its own new new look at it and do what's right for that site, for the landscape or the crop you're irrigating, and then for the end user on how they want to manage it and monitor it. So, I mean, if we're not answering those kinds of questions when we're talking about irrigation, I don't know, like, well, why are you in here wanting to buy a new sprinkler? You know, like, let's do, let's do what's right. There, our water restrictions are only going to get tighter and tighter. And eventually I'm afraid that they're going to take away our rights to use potable water on our landscapes. What will we do here in, in the city of Bend, you know, what would it take, what would it look like for you to convert your irrigation system from your gray water to be able to use that on your landscape? You know, it's not real practical. We'd have to rebuild everything. So if we don't start doing what's right, we're not going to have a lot of options left. And I guess I'm optimistic enough and I think that I'd like to believe that we could make a difference in educating people and changing people's opinions on things. And I guess that's why why we're talking out loud right now. What about the complexities? Say I'm the homeowner. Okay. And, and I'm going to go back to the drip irrigation system. And I want to do the right thing with my landscape that I just bought this house so I'm going to have installed. Um, do I go see a landscape designer? Do I get a landscape architect? How do I know... Who do I consult to make sure that I'm going to get the most efficient system? Because in our particular uh, area here in Central Oregon, you'll have different microclimates just around a house. Yes. And so different plants are going to grow differently. And when people just try to loop a system around their house, 
and irrigate everything at once, that's generally not the most efficient way of doing that. Yeah. So do I rely on my landscape architect, a landscape designer, who's going to make sure I'm getting those plants in the right zone so that I can have the most efficient mm -hmm. drip system around my home? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I think um, you're talking about it a niche of the industry that isn't as well developed as it should be, especially for a place here like Central Oregon where our landscapes are so dependent on irrigation. You know, there's a lot of landscape contractors out there that are doing a great job with their irrigation installs, but they're so busy, they just want to build these landscapes. They don't really care too much to spend their time specifically focused on any one niche like that to be looking at just the irrigation. Um, I... Myself, I'm a I'm an irrigation consultant designer. That's the niche that I like to focus on. So um, I wish that there were more like me out there. I'm trying to, it's kind of funny, I'm kind of trying to build an industry that would compete with myself. You know, I teach irrigation design at the college, and I, and I always tell my students that I'd like to see you, if you're interested enough, sit for that irrigation um, portion of the landscape contractors exam and get your get your license in irrigation and and come out here and, and do this kind of work there's plenty of work to be done and it's like aren't you saying that yeah I should compete with you like that's the, and it's like well in in a sense but if we're if there's there's so much water out there to be saved we need more people doing this kind of work and so I mean I think it a little good competition makes us all better and would want us you know, it really makes you think about why are you doing this? Are you doing it just to compete? Are you doing it just for the money? Are you doing it because you really care? And, you know, to to be able to have to force you to think about those things to be better at your job. I mean, game on, let's go. Like, that's what I that's what I think should should happen. So it's it's unfortunate. But, um, you know, I, I find power in networking in our industry. And so if I don't know the answer or I am not the best you know, water feature design, let's say. There are some amazing landscape contractors here in our area that build beautiful water features. Although I can build a water feature, depending on the client and the site, I might refer you to another landscape contractor who I know can do a great job for you. And so that power of networking and referrals you don't have to do everything just because you have the license to and you can um you know just because you can you know install a paver patio or synthetic turf you know perhaps there's another contractor here in town who's a little bit better at that and maybe maybe that portion of the project you should work with somebody else on and so i'm really i'm really happy and and proud of the relationships i have to work with other contractors that have brought me in on their project where there's other stuff going on, and I sure could talk to you about your drainage or your lighting, but I'm not. That's not what I'm here. I'm here to focus on the irrigation component, and I'll I'll create that irrigation design and you know help make sure that that gets installed the right way. Because you know, especially if you're working on a on a property around here who their water source is a well. I mean, that is that well is not just their water. I mean, that's a that's a big deal, especially if you got a household and you got kids and you're doing laundry and you're doing dishes and showers. If that if that pump is cycling because you installed a poor irrigation system and it wasn't designed properly, and now those folks are out of water when you know they they really need it in their house, shame on you, landscape contractor, for not not knowing what you were working with. And that's that part of that responsibility of such a precious resource you know again those properties that are on wells even if you've got 10 acres there and you want an acre of lawn and you want trees you know flanking your driveway I'm sorry but the state of Oregon says that you can only legally keep a half an acre green with that well and they're oh but I want what I want and you know it's like it's there's just so many interesting you know situations I think we find ourselves in where people on the outside like they want to do what's right again right they want to be they want to be green they want to conserve water but when it comes to them and their own house and how they operate their 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 own space are they really trying to conserve water you know it's those same people it's like do, do you shut the faucet off when you brush your teeth 
in between, you know, like you let the tap run the whole time while you brush your teeth. I brush my teeth while taking a shower because I like to just waste time in temperature controlled potable water. <laughs> it makes me feel luxurious. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I'm part of the problem. Wow. So you re- you're who I was just talking about. Yeah, 100%. I brush my teeth well in the sh- It's my first three minutes of the shower in the morning. Is just standing there with temperature-controlled potable water running over me. I like to say that I play both sides of the fence. Dang. I don't much irrigate my lawn, but yeah. I spend three minutes a day. Just standing in the shower. Standing in the shower brushing my teeth. Didn't Jane's Addiction write a song about that? I do not know. Okay. Quite possibly. Standing in the shower, something. Okay. And brushing your teeth? No, not about brushing your teeth, but just... And actually... It gets worse because right at the end of my shower, I like to turn the temperature all the way up to super hot. (laughs) And I say, I'm pouring it out for my homies in Bangladesh that don't have potable water. Every day, though, while I'm wasting this water, I'm thinking about other people that don't have this luxury in life. It's my one luxury that I allow myself in life on a daily basis. See, and that's interesting. I also think about that, and I guess um, I'm kind of jealous that you're, like, showing off saying, I stand in the shower, because I'm, uh, you know, (laughs) I am not standing at this time. I am not weight-bearing fully, and I have to sit on this little handicap stool thing I have, and I've got the the shower wand, you know, kind of like on the hose deal, and uh, I actually had to turn it off in between, like, you know, doing the lather on the hair, the shampoo and stuff, and turn it off in between and really try to conserve the water as much as I can because they don't, you know, other people don't have that clean potable water. So I'm kind of the opposite of you. I do think about them, but then I still try to not use it, but, you know, in consideration. And I guess you use it in way to try to, maybe you're trying to share it with them in a sense? Or? Maybe in some sense. No, it's just me being privileged, yeah. honestly. It's that last little blast of heat at the end. Yeah, that heat is the thing that really, the I mean, really churches Temperature controlled potable water is the greatest thing about living here. Uh, but oh. also why we should conserve it. My irrigation system is great. My grass that I have out there for some reason is always on the verge of drought. Mm-hmm. It's just barely staying green. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a windy day, then it's my address day to water. Mm-hmm. I won't. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's all going to end up. It cringes me to walk outside and see mm-hmm. stuff running out the driveway or on the concrete. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at the 10 gallons per minute, if you want to do the math, I'm still pretty good with my shower. Yeah. I think overall, uh, and plus I was in the Navy and I don't need to take any more Navy showers, Oh. which I... is what you're talking about yeah. when you, cause you have a button on there. Right. Yeah. And then you so stop it. So you get it. wet. Do the, do what you, you need lather, to. You bathe off. Uh-huh. And That's what they made you do in the Navy? Oh yeah. The whole time on the ship. And you don't always even have temperature control. I was like, it's probably not warm. Yeah. Ooh. Kind of sucks sometimes. Huh. Yeah. Make a little fancy clip to try to hold the button down to make a shower head so maybe you could use hands and rinse at the same time. Right. No. (sighs) Scarred me. Yeah, right? Like, you just, at some point, you're just like, well, I guess I'm not going to bathe anymore. I thought about that, but my coworkers, after a couple weeks, were like, dude, Mm -hmm. you have got to bathe. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right. Yeah. But I'm going to take joy in it. Yeah. Well, and I guess, yeah, I can't, uh, when I get to bear weight and stand in a shower again, I suppose there is a little bit of that that you kind of, it's, uh, but it's so awesome. You, you can't almost like not want to just stand there in the hot water. I mean, it is one of those things that we do it like every day, most people every day, hopefully, that you don't really think about what a luxury that really is. I mean, and it doesn't matter how, you know, if you've got a 5,000 square foot house, all, you know, granite counters up on the butte, or if you're living in some Cracker Jack box over here on the northeast side, that hot water still feels the same, right? That that you great. can't, that doesn't change. And yeah. And I've 
traveled around the world a bit. It's got good pressure. Got it's potable. I can drink the water coming out of my shower. Mm-hmm. There's definitely countries you don't want to be doing that. Right. You don't want to be letting it get into your mouth at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so interesting about water and the way that we use it here in the United States and kind of, you know, if we're having to, you know, flush our toilets 12 times or whatever that kind of business is. but um, Which is also being filled with potable water. <laughs> we use potable water to make our waste go away. Right, right. That, uh, I mean, comes down to it. You could, you know, drink out of that, that tank if you need to. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I uh, also only wash my truck twice a year. So. Oh, wow. I save my water that way. Yeah. It rains enough. Right. Again, a lot of the water waste, and I am a culprit of it as well with my luxurious showers, is just vanity. Mm hmm. Turf grass, keeping your car dirt free. But we're using this precious resource on that that eh, mm-hmm. maybe ought to prioritize some of these things a bit more. Again, if if I could have everybody tear out their lawn and plant a garden, mm-hmm. that would be so wonderful to me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Maybe not so much a, a like a you know a garden with like you know vegetable annual veggies that you know because that is very difficult here and requires a lot of work. Yes. But you know, a couple of fruiting shrubs perhaps and sure. some the low whole water edible landscape thing. Mm-hmm. 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 Just got some berries. Okay. That's right. Great. Right. Just something other than a lawn. I mean, at that knee jerk reaction, of, I don't know what else to put there, so I just right. put some lawn down. Or bee habitat. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a big bee person. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, putting those types of plants out there that are going to, you know, give an environment to bees. Oh, yeah. As long as you're not allergic, I guess. Carry well, an EpiPen. Well, and that's the wuss. thing. The honeybees are the ones that we really need to support. And those guys, they're, I mean, those ladies, they're out there doing their work uh, and not, uh, they don't look to seek you out and sting you that's not right. their job they're not wasps those guys are assholes and they see you and they will come out and they want to sting you they are not your friends but the honeybees um you know actually the interesting thing if you're around honeybees they can see your breath they can see you exhale so if you're up around a swarm of bees don't breathe real heavy out towards them if you can kind of put your breath off to the side or breathe out the side of your mouth you can get real close up to them and they won't really want to bother you at all. So it's kind of like if you get around them and you get excited and you start huffing and puffing, they're going to come towards you because they can see that. So and there's something that they would get like defensive around that. So they'll want to start to attack if they see that. Sure. Mm-hmm. But they're really very gentle creatures and just want to collect their pollen and get on their way so they can make honey for us to steal at the end of the season so you know they've got the priorities i appreciate that Mm -hmm. their amazing ability to Mm -hmm. make honey Mm -hmm. have you had the manuka honey manuka honey it's Mm. from the manuka tree in new zealand and australia the world's most expensive honey oh dang yeah huh never had it but i hear it's wonderful yeah Uh, bingo's had it sixty dollars for like a little tiny jar of it yeah but yeah uh natural antibiotic yeah no no and they're uh yeah it's pretty much a miracle substance i'd say and you know they gotta have water to make it happen yeah no life no water Mm -hmm. who was i just talking to the other day that said Colonizing Mars was that you? Oh, huh? The, oh, maybe that was my. No, that's a, that's a waste professor of our time. Professor Fred, he was like, "You need water." Right. We still can't prove I that know. there's any source of we water. We can't even take care of the what? stuff we have going on here on Earth that we think that we're gonna go colonize Mars. I'm sorry, but I think there's a lot of good development that we're gonna find out. Like you know, we always want to be like trying to push our learning and and such. But seriously, you're going to try to colonize Mars when you haven't even figured out how to take care of the people that are trying to live here on Earth is just, I mean, that's a little backwards. 
to me. So a lot of people on earth that, uh, again, don't have that luxury of water, spend all day going to get water that mm-hmm. they can't always even drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the same friend of mine. Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. You travel all day to go get some water and you get back to your place and it's not even something that's like you can't drink it. It's going to get you sick and you got to. Yeah. Ooh. That's, yeah, right? I mean, seriously. Then you don't feel good. Your stomach hurts. You got to walk all that way again tomorrow to get water. Hopefully that doesn't make you sick. More, I mean, uh, child uh, death rates. More children die from diarrhea and intestinal issues than any other cause of death. And that's just not having access to clean water on a worldwide scale. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. So it's heartbreaking s- that I Googled child death rates just last week. Yeah. Like, what is the leading cause of malaria is pretty good, um, but it's mostly diarrhea. And it all wow. comes down to not having clean water to drink. And again, we say diarrhea here in North America, and we don't even, or in the United States, and we don't even really think about, like, that could kill you. Oh, again, 100%. Like, there's so many things that... W- could kill could kill a human being and that they're actually concerned and terrified about in other countries and we're like oh whatever when you're driving into first and you feel a little burst diarrhea like yeah we think it's funny well i thought that was hilarious so yeah yeah we think it's funny come on everything's funny in some perspective but yes talking about children dying from diarrhea because they can't get a puddle of water Versus sliding into first. And who slides into first? That was a really bad example. Yes. But you guys all know that song. Shout out to my big brother who taught me that. Uh, <laughs> oh, Bingo thinks it's funny too. Hilarity ensued. <laughs> so no, it, it can be tragic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Water. Uh, when we're talking about irrigating the desert, it's... You know, it's kind of like our little white privilege thing of living in the God. desert and trying to figure out a way we can best do this one little thing in our little area mm-hmm. when worldwide, when you're talking about water issues, what we're trying to do is completely insignificant. You know, if you could bring potable water to all these other places, uh, there's, what's that guy's name? Jeremy Wren, I think. Goes has a oh this would be where we like shout out to our producer to be like hey Google that yeah Google this Jeremy uh-huh. Wren um, has <laughs> I think that's his name he's an MMA fighter but he spends most of his time in the Congo and has a charity and they go out and dig wells and put in wells and get right. these people potable right. water well wouldn't that be kind of cool like if that's what all this ends up being if we can find somebody who wants to sponsor us and like we could start making money on this and turn it into a non-profit and we go over and we start you know installing wells and getting people water where they need it like it's kind of strange actually because in a full circle sort of thing uh, before i got into the irrigation industry right after i got out of college i was applying for the peace corps oh and i had zero qualifications to be in the peace corps other than a history degree and i spoke some spanish you didn't have anything knew to Knew how to drive a table. ship in the Navy. Didn't really, nothing really tangible. It was a year-long process to apply, so oh, wow. eventually I was just like, nah, I got this buddy in Seattle that said he can offer me a job in the irrigation industry, and so I huh. just moved up there. But I feel now that I do have a lot of knowledge in water and hydraulics and, and could help the rest of the world in some fashion. Isn't that something? Yeah. That it's like, no, you can, you can do that, but you're going to have to... It's going to take some time. It's going to take some it's time. It's take about 20 years of trying to learn all this. And, mm-hmm. and, and how it all relates, whether it's the lack of soil and soil sciences mm-hmm. and if your water is even going to be effective and mm-hmm. clay versus sand and how fast you're going to put water down and all the... And slope. Yeah. E.T., mm-hmm. not phone home. That's evapotranspiration for those that are uninitiated. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. How water lose, is lost through the plant. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Um, so Actually, all those lost different the, aspects. The soil and the plant and yes. all that water that's being lost up through that. But it also is um, a shout out to Bone Home, Bone Home, Bone Home. Bone I can home. feel my finger again. I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> nice. That's exciting. First time in a few months, yeah. So yeah. I can do an ET impression. Nice. That's kind of where that impression starts. You gotta. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Yeah. What are you doing? So yeah, Molly and I are both invalids. That's probably why this podcast started. <laughs> Broken ankle, neck surgery. Pretty right. much just gonna sit around and talk about how to fix the world's water problems. Yeah. Which, by the way, damning stuff. Damn it! Not that type of damn. That's what I thought. But like no. you're gonna cast a spell. No. That's a whole nother interesting topic. Yeah, you that know that I find so fascinating. Yeah, that well, there's a couple different fascinating. Uh, you talk about you know googling and YouTube and whatnot, um, watching damn failures. Ooh, that's some fun stuff right there. Like, did, did you see that one on the St. Francis Dam failure uh, in California? Oh, uh, huh. Is that a recent one? Uh, no, it failed in like the 20s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it killed That's, like 400 okay. and some people. Yeah. But failed just catastrophically. Oh. Leaked from the very beginning. Just one of those engineering disasters, like what? the Narrows Bridge up in Washington. And just like, yeah, killed, you know, 500 people because you start damming things. It changes how people live downstream. It definitely right. changes how people right. lived upstream. Right. And then you have countries that use it as power. Like we were talking about the, the trip through Cambodia, and they're like, oh, but the Chinese actually dammed up the river that feeds this lake. Mm-hmm. So there's there's so many different aspects that go into it, but also the first irrigation canals, levees, dam systems of Mesopotamia were all about trying to control Mother Nature and, <gasps> and be able to route the water where you want it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Mother Nature always wins. Yeah. She's strong, man. That's always it's a, that's a fascinating, you know, that's you can't blame human beings for wanting to, you know, improve their their living situations. I mean, it's the thing like, you know, discovering something, at, walking out, you know, you 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 come across, can I eat this or can I use this? You know, it's kind right. of that. You can't blame humans for thinking that way and wanting to build stuff and improve their their habitats and you know that water that's the number one thing that you would want to have wherever you're living and so um if you don't have it how can you direct it to where you are and um and that's the other fascinating thing too about like you know the how the United States became the United States, the shape of the states. So I love very, that show. Very much, you know, part of, you know, the waterways and such. And yeah. it's always interesting, especially, you know, the, the Colorado River, and that doesn't even reach the ocean anymore. I was going to say, but, I heard that used to go somewhere. Yeah, right, right. And it's uh, interesting the way that California's got that little leg that heads off to the east just for certain reasons, so it can, you know, claim those, uh, claim some rights to that water, which... Um, you know, is just a fascinating. Well, we can get into the California Water Bank and the Resnicks and the wonderful company and how they control and sell backwater to the state. That's a whole shit show in the, itself. The wonderful company. Uh, yeah, is you it? know the pomegranates. Palma, yeah, right. That is awesome. And, I think and that pistachios sounds... and almonds. Oh, you know, every oh, almond oh. takes a gallon of water to produce. So all this water that could be going elsewhere is going out to all these huge orchards of almonds and pistachio. And their irrigation systems, when you drive by them, are pretty interesting. Oh, they're beautiful. I mean, you can tell that there's some engineering and design behind that. Yeah, because they're huge. And they have to be, I mean, top-notch, efficient to, you know, be able to cover what they do. And, you know, there's been a lot of uh, evolution in... But it is fascinating how um, that family came to control yeah. the water supply through mm. the, the valley there mm-hmm. in California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always follow the money, right? Always follow the money and Ooh. vote with your money again if I'm trying to be a responsible water purveyor th- person other than my showers. I don't buy wonderful company products. Right? Right? It's 
It can be that easy. I vote with my dollar. Mm -hmm. I don't approve of what you're doing with the water in California. I'm not going to buy your products. I'm not going to support you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. But what makes you different in that regard is that you care enough to to want to kind of want to know where that comes from. You know, like what, what is behind, you know, in knowing, knowing how things are connected and, and actually who is the parent company and what does that mean? There's a lot of people that don't care. Yeah. Well, and will we ever be able to connect to those people that don't care? that's a good question one would hope so mm-hmm. how do you make them care what do they care about I, mean, ooh, ooh, I know how we can make them care okay shut their water off <laughs> that's true <laughs> you want to make somebody angry shut their stuff off mm-hmm. i'm recovering from neck surgery mm-hmm. and they cut off my internet this week oh boy was i angry what else are you supposed to do with your time right right i'm like i can't move can't do anything. I need to be able to research. Mm-hmm. Well, your bill was due on the 13th. I'm like, my checkbook says I sent something to you on the 2nd. How about a heads up? Maybe just, we're in a pandemic. Maybe not just cut off my cable suddenly. Wow. And that you had sent them something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so definitely not shouting out to our non-sponsor, the local dog. We are not shouting out to the local. Not happy with the local dog. No. Like, come on. And now they want to charge me a $25 reconnect fee for turning it back on, which is technically 25% of my bill. That seems like predatory lending to me. That's excessive. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That was just my little rant on the local dog. They mm. suck. Mm. That could be a that could be a regular segment we uh <laughs> yeah. Drew's rant of the week. Ah. Huh. Who made Drew angry this week? <laughs> or just even talking about how our local uh, internet provider here sucks. We can have uh, a, just a, crush on them a, weekly. A, a different guest every week that's <laughs> talks about. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm you know teaching at our local community college here, and it's um, a concern of ours um, for us teaching on Zoom and doing the, the online courses is that. It is something to consider if your internet provider has been known to cut out and such. You know, what is, what's your plan going to be if that happens to your class? And, right. Um, it's definitely something I'm going to have to consider because, unfortunately, I don't have a phone line that goes into my house anymore. So I'm not even able to get a competing internet service. So, like, I'm stuck, stuck with... The local dog, and I really like dogs, and they're taking advantage of that. They are taking advantage yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, by the way, if you want to look up the local dog, I believe their Google uh, rating is about a 1.3. <laughs> wow. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Off of thousands of reviews. Wow. Like, that means you are really bad at what you do. Yeah. yeah. Not making anybody happy. Well, I know personally, I never receive a bill from them. I just get, uh, I'll get a late notice, like if I don't pay my bill. And so I've just made up an arbitrary amount and an arbitrary date that I send on a regular basis now. And I haven't heard anything for a few months. So um, at least it's, 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 it's working. working for now. Yeah. So who knows if I'm building up a credit with my uh, extra change or if I'm... Uh, Slowly falling behind. Yeah, then I'll I'll figure out when they cut me off, I suppose. Yeah, figuring out they cut you off is the problem. Yeah, it is. Shut off my router through. That just seems to not be what is going on. Right, especially if it's kind of like your, like you said, it's it's your main source of... And when you're not... News and entertainment. So I also understand if you're like multiple months behind. Sure. Same thing. Yeah, shut off my water if I haven't paid the bill in three months. Yeah. But if I'm three days late on my monthly payment, and then you're going to shut me off and then charge me an extra $25 to turn it back on, mm-hmm. that doesn't seem right to me. Mm-mm. Nope. But yeah. Neither does spending three minutes brushing my teeth in the shower. <laughs> you know, I'm going to feel guilty about that now. And everybody knows about time. it now. You I know. Everybody. The dirty secret on the first day. <laughs> this is just a trial run, right? This is just for checking out recording quality. 
Yeah. Editing well, capabilities. You'd like to think, though, then there's, you know, there's other ways that you've saved water that maybe you've earned those three minutes. Like, what could you do to conserve water that maybe you could earn that, right? If you could think about it that way, does it make your brain feel better? Yeah. That's okay. Why I don't wash my truck. There you go. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I saved all my truck washes so I can... Yeah, and that's probably... I mean, that's the hose running out and... Mm-hmm. That's probably a lot of water yeah. in washing the truck, whereas I think I have a fairly efficient shower head. Okay. So. Yeah. There you go. I thought it was more efficient than the off and on in front of the sink. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in the shower anyways. I'll try another yeah. couple different ways of justifying it. But. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, maybe do, you know, do, the, do the, the bucket test and measure, actually. There you, you know, go. Then you could really... What is this bucket test thing you speak well, of? It's uh it's uh pretty, you know, like, oh my grandfather taught me this way how to do stuff, but I wanna know if there's a better way to, to actually get a flow reading. But they say, you know, how many gallons per minute, that's you know, how um water is is quantified and measured in gallons per minute. GPM. So how many GPM actually is your shower head? consuming and that would be the thing is if you could fill up a five gallon bucket and if you filled up a five gallon bucket in one minute you would know that you've got five gallons per minute but also the the other trick about the whole bucket thing is that a five gallon bucket isn't necessarily a five gallon bucket like what what line do you fill it up to where it's five because if you fill it all the way up to the brim it's actually a 5.27 gallon bucket so you got to know your own bucket Hey listeners, this is Molly. Thank you so much for listening to our episode one, part one introductory episode. Uh, Make sure to click follow wherever you found this podcast so you don't miss part two when that comes out next week. (music) 